Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The show is the show, but the people are the story. This is Backstage Stories. Crew are people, too. Taking you behind the scenes of the live entertainment industry to meet the unsung road warriors who help make the stars shine. Welcome to Backstage Stories. Crew are people, too. Raising the curtain on the road crews who toil outside the spotlight in live entertainment, but without whom the show could not go on. The show is the show, but the people are the story. Here's Ted Bird. Ted Bird? He's dreamy. <laughs> I like him. Hey, I'm Ted Bird, and welcome to Backstage Stories. Crew are people too. The inaugural episode, a podcast, as the uh, gentleman with the giant testicles who you just heard was saying, is about the live entertainment industry and who and what make it happen. Gislaine Dufour is the founder, owner, and president of Truck and Roll, and this podcast was his idea, and he is our inaugural guest. Gislain, welcome to your show. I'm going to stop you, because my last name is Arsenault, not Zufour. Where did I come up with Zufour? It's a good name. It's just not my name. Who's Gislain Zufour? I don't know. I think he was the, you know what? He was the president of the, of the uh, I think, a Chamber of Commerce of the Allies. So I've heard that name before. Uh, Le Conseil du Patronat, I'm going to say. I think Conseil that's who du Patronat yeah. about 30 years can, ago, Yes, Ted. and I can see his face. And I used to say his name all the time okay. when I used to do the news. That's my excuse. Am I fired yet? Not yet. Because, you know, <laughs> he's, he's a star. I'm the backstage guy. Nobody knows my name. So it's totally cool to start like that. Wow. Because that's the story of what we do. Nobody knows our name. It's true, eh? We're backstage stage you know we're like hiding in a catering or at the loading dock people you see your name in the paper all the time that's not us we're the back people that you usually you have a, a nickname so I'm, I'm big g okay so big g is my nickname and people or g nobody calls me gislaine really it's, if you're english it's too too difficult to say anyway especially from like you know florida or texas yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. barely like barely in the east end they, they say my name well listen being from new brunswick arsenal should be top of mind for me because that's an acadian name totally from moncton y- yeah you find all kinds of arsenals down east very few in quebec exactly that reminds me of a story when i was it you know and it happens to even those of us who are in the public eye and trust me i'm not a big celebrity uh, radio personality on the celebrity food chain is just above circus clown and just below team mascot more people know who Yuppie is than know who i am but many many years ago when i was working on the old fm 96 we were doing a remote broadcast from zellers in la salle one day and bruce kenyon was the morning man and a, a gentleman came up and said hey you're bruce kenyon wow i listen to you every morning that's really cool and he turned around to me and uh, he said what do you do and i said i do the sports on the morning show and he goes oh yeah you're uh, uh and i said ted bird 
bird. And he goes, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> You're not that bird, no. I'm Terry DeMonte. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, of course, after many, many years of working with Terry DeMonte, people still call me Terry, and they still call Terry Ted. Uh, All of that to say, my apologies, Jesus. Hey, good start. Uh, you what know a, what? It's gonna. It, I feel we're going to have fun doing Well, this. listen, it gave us a story right hey, off hey, the right top. Hey, right away, eh? who the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> you just demonstrated in your reaction to me getting your name wrong that you're a modest and humble guy who knows how to roll with the punches. So let's establish some credentials here, and this is not to make you sound or feel pretentious, but to give people an idea of the level that truck and roll operates at in the entertainment industry tell us a few of the artists who you work with and have worked with over the years who people would recognize like i said over almost 30 years we've had you know amazing talented people that would recognize the good one would i'd say pink is somebody would know lady gaga uh michael buble celine dion uh we've we've worked probably with hundreds if not thousands of bands like you know just looking around the uh, the office you know i can see pictures of a nickelback and and harry Connick and simple plan and cirque du soleil we've probably done about you know a dozen of cirque tour you know throughout the years they're they're from down the street we kind of grew up on the same part of town and i was the trucker mm-hmm. and you know so we've we i think rock and roll and and the the, uh, the backstage you know people all we all grew up together in the last 30 40 years if you go back to uh you know in the 70s you know if you did a show at the forum it's probably going to be three or four trucks well the last you know gaga show we did was 27 trucks at the um, at the bell center so if you if you remember it used to be just a black stage and the band would come with a truck of you know it was lighting it was sound, one backline, and maybe merch, you know, a couple of T-shirts to sell. Now a stage like Gaga was probably 12 trucks. Buble's 10-truck staging. Cillin is 9-truck staging. So the experience of seeing a show has totally changed. So did the ticket price, I guess. Yeah. You know, you used to be able to see Super Tramp for 10 bucks, and now, you know, you go see You a, got any of those ticket stubs from when I, you were I younger? Kept, I kept some. It's funny you say that because I've... I've kept some of my backstage passes, and I've had some of the older tickets I have. But uh, I think the older tickets, the stub I have is actually from the Olympics. And the other one is, remember when uh, the boxing uh, Sugar Ray Leonard mm-hmm. uh, versus Roberto, Roberto Duran. Duran at the Big O? I was at that fight. I was there, too. So that's the older stub, which I believe was 1980. 1980. Yeah. And I, it's special because I went with my dad and my grandpa. So I think it's not, I think, you know, it's, it's like, I think going to a show sometime or I think drinking wine, it's not, it's not the show. It's not what you drink. It's who you do it with. The business is full of stories. There are a million of them. I've heard a bunch of them from you uh, since we first met several weeks ago. And my favorite story, and I'd like you to tell this one, is basically the story uh, of how truck and roll really got put on the map you were and and correct me if i'm wrong but you were more or less a local provincial transport company doing shows around quebec and then a quebec artist did a song in a movie and boom my life changed yeah well i grew up in a trucking company uh, in a trucking family family business my dad had a you know, a trucking company started in 57. He started Atlas Van Line in Canada. So I was basically a mover. And from the age of 15, I was in a truck. And, you know, 
my my mom believed in education, but you know my dad believed in hard work, so I had both. So all my youth, I 16 years old, I'm driving trucks, goes to go to college, do all that, and then you know my dad with his local company was doing some theater, local theater, um, opera, ballet, you know all the local stuff. But usually that goes from A to B. It's not even an hour, but that gave me my first taste of. You know the Place des Arts, the Civic Center, in in, in any. So I, I learned a lot about opera, ballet, theater, and load in and load out. It's not as stressful to do, I would say, an opera because local shows don't move. So you load in, you stay in for a week, sometimes two weeks, sometimes three weeks. Then you have the load out on a Saturday night, and I got to know, I've got to learn about the business by loading trucks. And I did with my dad for about fifteen years. Family business, try to, you know, my dad was like 55. I thought he was old, so I want to buy him out. <laughs> and he said, I'm not that old. So that pretty much, I left the family business, worked in advertising for about six months, made no money. It's probably like radio, you know, it looks very glamorous from the outside, but there was no money. Oh boy. And then my friends that I used to be at the opera and about, I said, hey, Gislaine, you know, your dad doesn't want to do that anymore. Can, you want to? You know, could you stick around just to help us? And I did for a couple of years. And then René Agelil slash the Céline Dion family called me and said, well, we hear you're, you know, you do trucking for, you know, if, you know, pretty much uh, the arts. You know, Céline's going on tour. It was 1996. The album was Falling Into You. And so we're, you know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna start our, our first summer tour, and this, if you do a tour in the summer, it's it's a lot of fun because it's it's all the sheds are outside. Think of a shega but smaller. Mm -hmm. So you have three trucks. You're doing it's our first big English album, so we start with tr three trucks, and pretty much they 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 call me and I said he said would you like to quote on the tour? I said well the furthest I've been is Quebec City, so doing a North American tour was like outside my comfort zone. I think the, the key in, in any business, is, but especially in, in, in rock and roll, is I was pretty honest from the beginning. I said, I'd love to do it. I have no idea what I'm doing. So that created a, okay, well, we don't have anybody else. There's nobody else really in Canada right now that's doing that. There's a few American company. Uh, give us a quote, and we'll, we'll, we'll take it from there. I saw the opportunity. I said, if I do this right, even if I don't make money, I think I'm onto something. So the first thing I did is I was always pretty good with numbers. I did my my budget, and I pretty much did it for cost. So I calculate all my costs, which I probably underestimate all the blowout and tires that I would blow up <laughs> in the first week that I we did. And I don't even have a truck. I don't even have a trailer. So I'm quoting what we call totally blind. I said I'll worry about it if I get it. So I do the the pricing. And production says, are you sure about that price? He says, yeah, but I told you, I don't know what I'm doing. I know my price, but I said, well, for that price, we'll teach you. And this is her production company? Her production crew. Okay. It's her, it's, it's her it was called Feeling, it's still Feeling 25 okay. years later. Yeah. So they say, yeah, let's, let's, let's try it. So the one thing I knew is, you know, all my friends were truck drivers. So I, and there was a buzz about working for Celine, if you go back 25 years. People were very proud. And if you go back... She had just sung at the Olympics in Atlanta. So there was like, there was something happening. We didn't know what, but it was fun. It was like, she was on the cusp at that point. We felt, we, it was, you know, when you feel something, 
you know, it, it's it's going to be special. But, yeah. you know, so anyway, so I got the gig. I had no idea what I was doing. I bought three used trailer, rented trucks from a friend of mine, got the insurance. I, I pretty much did everything in about a month. And then the, we loaded at the, we rehearsed at the Montreal Forum, which was really cool. Because that's like, on you know, if you're from Montreal, it's very unique. And our first show was in Winnipeg. And I seriously, we blew up like eight tires on the way there because the trailer I bought were crap. I didn't know what I was doing. Totally didn't know what I was doing, but I didn't have the money to buy a new trailer because, you know, it's only three trucks. And then we start going and everything's going well. So that's 96. We go over 97. If you call 97 is when the Titanic movie came out. Yep. And she, with Diane Warren, you know, she came out with that song. Well, that changed everything. So we went... From three trucks, and Rennie comes to me, he says, you know, we're going on tour again next year. But now it's going to be big, because now we, <laughs> the stage, if you, if you, anybody saw that show, the stage is a freaking Titanic. <laughs> Seriously, it yeah. was the heaviest, biggest thing, because she sang the last song at the end, like, you know, like with DiCaprio or something. So we're, we're, we went from three trucks to 22 trucks. Wow. And just an investment for me was like, okay, I need $2 million. And it was like, everybody's like, well, you would sell in. So, of course, it's going to work. So everything started coming together. And, again, you know, uh, and not only for me, but, you know, I, I remember the, the bus company, Solotech. It's like we were just, when you say being at the right place at the right time. So I was able to get a $2 million loan to start my business to work for Celine, which last, like, was a two-year tour. And that changed my life because I had the brand new truck. I didn't get a flat tire on that tour because <laughs> I had brand new equipment. And the name kind of worked too. It was it probably not the best thing. I'm, it, I'm more like a, you know, it's more like a Led Zeppelin name, truck and roll, than Celine. But yeah. the name worked for what we did. Yeah. And, you know, there was trucking for rock and roll band. It was that simple. And we started with that. And people start seeing us in the U.S. Like, you know, who the hell are these guys? They're with the number one. Artists in the world, we've never heard of them. Brand new trucks, good crew, and it was it was the beginning of truck and roll. And then your reputation spread through the industry, and you started to get other bigger clients. It, it started slowly. It started slowly. Uh, like I said, music is like I said. There's no. It's it's not because you call somebody. You know, you can have ten thousand trucks. Doesn't mean you know the band. It, it you have to build. The, the relationship, you have to build the trust of those people because people that have been in the business for a long time have relationship for a long time and they trust. And, you know, doing, it's funny because they call it a tour, you know. Like you, but a tour, if you think of what's the original tour, it was military. And when you do military, you trust each other. There's a bond that you I see because my father-in-law is military. The bond that you see in the military is very close to the one we have because we're gone for a long time. You know, I, you know, we, we sacrifice our children, family, friends in order to do something, which is the tour. So the, the relationship you build lasts a very long time. So it's not because we were with Celine that everybody started calling. It took a long time. When I say a long time, it, you know, probably 10 years, like for other big people, bands to say, okay, we'll give them a shot. Maybe they'll stick around after 10 years. We did a lot of stuff in, in Canada from the beginning you know, because we were close, because 
you know, people, because of the, uh, you know, I would say a lot of the suppliers, what happened is people that work on Celine would go another tour and then they would say, hey, try them. So it's still a business that even though you might think you're good, it doesn't work like that. It takes, you got to prove yourself over and over and you have to be patient. And, you know, like I say, we're an overnight success. It, it took 30 years to, yeah. to get here. Yeah. In the beginning, I used to drive. I used to be at every show that would I would be like, you know, early, mid 90s. But as you grow, my job became more like finding solution to what production needed. So I, I'm not on the road as much. And what technology did too. Like, you know, it's like if, if you go before before email, imagine working before email, or even my first show before you had the cell phone. You had a beeper in Montreal to do shows at Place des Arts. Everything got bigger and faster, I'm sure, in, like many industries. But it's it's still fun, like I said, to, to go on the road and the, the adrenaline of doing a load-in in the morning and doing the load-out. It's like our rush is not technically the show, is the, you know, load in, load out. So explain for the uninitiated what load in and load out means. Well, a load in basically is we would arrive in the city. Let's, you know, it doesn't matter what city, uh, usually an arena or a theater. And most of the time it's 8 o'clock. 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Okay. 8 a.m. is the load in. So if you're like, for, for Selenia, for example, you say that's a nine truck tour? 20 truck tour. 20 nine, truck tour. Nine for the stage only. Oh, Jesus. So are all 20 trucks, like, are they rolling in in a convoy or are they all arriving at different times or what's, well, what's happening? Well, what people don't understand sometimes is when you see a show, they, they, they think there's two or three sets. Well, there's actually only one set. You know, what you see, the 20 trucks you see in Montreal, so the, the 20 trucks that were in Ottawa the night before, 20 trucks, the same trucks that were in, in Toronto or Detroit before. So everything is pretty much, I call it like military. Everybody's got a schedule. Every, you know, from, from, from the minute you have the load in at 8 o'clock, you know, the lead driver will have, knows exactly what truck, you know, first we have how many, how many loading docks. So there's the, the advance, the pre-planning, how many loading docks do you have in that city? Well, that tells you how many trucks you can put to start. So when the crew, each building has a lo- local crew. So when you see a show, like uh, in any city, uh, the lo- this, each city will have the local crew. And each band will come with their crew. And those two for when they become a team. So usually 8 o'clock, we start unloading the trucks. But if you start unloading at 8, you don't back up at 8. So you start backing up around 7, 7.15. Make sure everything is set up. The lead driver talks to, I've talked to management. So it's the basic, okay, first truck will be rigging because you need to start with the rigging. So there's, there's an order. Each, each truck, each piece in the truck is like a puzzle. Or remember the old Tetris? Well, yeah. you know, you take the Tetris out, and after the show, you put it back in. So so for a show that's, let's say, even a 20-truck tour, whether it's 8 or, or, or 20, uh, we start at 8 a.m., and usually by 11 a.m., you know, we're, we're done unloading. And our job is done at that point. So this is where the crew, the local crew and, and the, uh, the production crew put everything together. But at 8 o'clock, we start, and usually by 1 or 2 o'clock, what we started at eight is all set up. And usually by four or five o'clock, you have sound check. Six, six thirty, they open the door. Seven o'clock, you know, it usually there, there could be an opening act. And eight, eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock, you've got your show until 11. 11 is a, is a, usually a very key time for in, in what we do. At the minute the last, seriously, the last note is played, somebody's 
pulls the power on it, and then we start, you know, taking it down and loading. But the, now there's already four trucks. You know, the last four trucks that were loaded, they're already there, ready, and then we're starting loading. And sometimes and this we, is the loadout. That's the loadout. And is that what Jackson Brown's song was about? Totally. Yeah. It's perfect. It's funny because I love, you know, it's running on empty, if you recall the, the album. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite. And I, I grew up listening to that, never knowing that at one day I would be part of that. If you listen to the lyrics, it's really what being living on the road is. You, you kind of forget sometimes what city you're in, but it's the people. And people stay one more song, but, you know, like if the talent wants to sting after 11 o'clock, the crew is like, come on, man, <laughs> get out of the stage because we have a show tomorrow. And that's why it's like you can't. You know, only Prince would play until 3 o'clock in the morning because he had no show the next day. But when you have a tour, like I was telling you, we finished unloading, I mean, around 11 o'clock. Well, we drove all night. So now my crew, my drivers, the bus drivers and the truck driver, we go to sleep. So we basically go to sleep from from 12 noon until around 8 or 9 o'clock. You work in the graveyard shift. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's the time we we need to, to go to sleep. And then we come back and, you know, the guys, you know, they'll have breakfast or a reverse breakfast, you call it sometime. Take a shower and then, you know, get ready at 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock to, to, to get ready for our shift, which is taking the show. So if we load out at 11 p.m., hopefully we're done by 3 o'clock. Four, four, four hours loadout is like, okay, that's, that's a long one. We try to break it to, you know, if we can in three hours. Three hours will give us more time to get to next city. Plus, it gives an hour to crew, one more hour to sleep or to, you know, have a drink or whatever they you know, want to do with their free time. So every the more, the more you're efficient, the more quality of life you give to everybody. So then we drove all night to the next city. We leave, you know, the first truck you were asking if it's a convoy. No, it's not a convoy. Uh, my worst nightmare as a trucking company is having two or three of my trucks hitting each other. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine it It happened to me once. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could, you know, I remember the highway, the show and everything. <laughs> Say, it stays with you. And that was over, seriously, 24 years ago. Everybody okay? Everybody's okay. Right. The, but we totaled two trucks and we didn't miss the show. Like they say, you know, shit happens. Occupational hazard. Well, somebody cuts somebody off. And what do yeah. you do? Do you, do you, it's always, you know, the, your reaction when somebody cuts you off on the highway. Do you hit the car that you may hurt or kill somebody? Or do you just hit the big truck well, in front of you? You're de- you're, and you're dealing with a whole different set of circumstances if you're driving 80,000 pounds of steel. You got 80,000 pounds and you calculate the, the speed of it. And all of a sudden it becomes a reaction. It's a quick reaction, you know. So it, it, it does happen. So you have a over you have what we call an overnight. You know, sometimes we have a travel day, which means we probably have more than five hundred miles to drive. You know, in in the in the east or in California, there's enough cities that you can do a lot over overnight. But if you look at the map of America, the northeast is very populated. You know, it's pretty much Chicago East, and then you go St. Louis East, and you go Dallas East, and then you go Denver on the other side. So there's always a travel day in between. The Midwest, there's a couple of cities, but Usually these are our our travel days when we travel east or west. So the key is always, you know, to expect what things will go wrong. A truck will break down. Construction will happen. You know, weather, you know. You do tour like last week. We were doing a show for for Tampa Bay. Well, there was a hurricane after Stanley Cup. So you're looking, this is all, okay, what do we do? We're always looking at, in the winter, the storm. Where's the storm? 
Well, if you're going to California, you can go north with Highway 80. You can go south with Highway 40. So we're always thinking of the show. What's the show? What's the best alternative? Do you drive 100 miles more to go around the storm? Well, you just lost two hours. Well, over three or four days, that's okay. So we're always in a solution mode, and we're always talking to production about how to make the load in and the load out better, and that's with the crew. I know that what inspired you to do this podcast is not to talk about and promote your company. No. It's to talk about and promote the people in the yeah, business. Exactly. Backstage stories, crew are people too. Yeah. The title describes uh, basically your mission statement with this podcast. And you were just talking about the sacrifices yeah. that crew make when they go out on the road. What is what is the sacrifice to reward ratio? Sacrifice to reward ratio. Well, again, the, the, the people that you get to work with are some of the best at their craft in the world. It's really fun to work with smart, amazing people. And we're not talking about the, the stage performers, no. right? We're talking about the people who make the show happen. Exactly. And it's fun. I mean, in the beginning, it's, it's, it's a, it could be a culture shock because like, in order to, to make what you see, there's a lot of egos and smart people that you have to develop a relationship. And one, one of the stage manager in the beginning that I've... You know, like I said, again, I'm, I'm trying to learn. And he comes to me, is like, I don't have a superiority complex. I am superior. So this is how I started learning with that guy. He's like, I am the best at what I do. Do you want to learn from me or on your own? So it, you have to check out your ego in the beginning. But mm-hmm. if you do, they're very giving because they want to succeed. But if you think you're like, you know, you know it all, well, good luck. But if you want to help, it's like, okay, let's work. Let's make this better together. And it's the sacrifice, yeah, the family is the first one. You know, you're, you're away from your, your family for weeks, months, sometimes years, because uh, a tour can be up to two years. So that, it's, it's, that's the tough part. Uh, it's the adrenaline, the stories, because there's a bunch of characters. It's a mix of, a, like I said, a sports team. You have some good days, you have some bad days. You know, it's not always perfect, but I've had... Friends, relationship in that business that lasted, you know, half of my life. And it's funny how those people become your friends. There's there's a mix between work, friendship, and all that put together at one point. And at the end, you forget, you know, the the sacrifice you do because it becomes a passion. You have to be passionate. You have to be good at what you do, and you have to be passionate. And if you do that, then you've got amazing experience on the road. The money is is good on the road honestly it's better than the, any local job nine to five that you can have because you get paid for that sacrifice and, and it's, a, it's a little bit because we talked about what happened with the the pandemic we lost a lot of good people because people that were sacrificing find new jobs we lost 50 percent of our staff in the last year now we're we're trying to Go back to some. Are you talking about mostly drivers or, or just other me. people as well? Everybody, yeah. everybody, drivers, uh, crew, like you know, sound technician, anybody, anybody work, you know, because think about it. Good people didn't stay home to take, you know, waiting for the government check and be happy no. with it. People reinvented themselves because government were saying, "Oh, let's reinvent each other." Yeah, but okay, what, what happened when we start to to go back to normal? The, the you know the you know the airlines and tourism and you know. 
rock and roll. And so those people, because you can switch an industry in 24 hours like they did on March 12 last year. But right now to say, okay, let's go. I, I feel it's going to take a long time. And I think it'd be, if we talk about this, I think hopefully we can show that it's not an, a world that's, you know, impossible to, to be in. It's a world that if you're passionate and good about your trade, you know, because like, you know, we have, you know, catering, you know, so we need, they need, they need people that, that can cook on the road. We need bus driver. We need, you know, security. There's, there's so much work to put a show together. And if you're good at what you do, and if, if you're if you're passionate about it, I, you know, hopefully that this podcast will show that, you know, there there's it's an amazing lifestyle, and it there's work there's work to be done because we're going to need people if we want to if we want to do all the shows that needs to be done in the future we're going to have to have new people come in and be passionate and love it you know it's like I said you know it's like. Someday you can say, I can't believe they're paying me to do this. It's pretty cool sometimes. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundle, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. So where do people go and, and how do they follow up on these to identify and follow up on these opportunities? Well, it's, it's a, it's, you know, there's, like I said, there's, there's basic, you know, if you're young, I think the best way to learn is usually theater school. Like in Quebec, in the U.S., there's, you know, there's CJEP in Quebec, there's high school, anything that has to do with a stage production. So, you know, any high school, any, you know, university, uh, my son went to Ryerson in Toronto. Ryerson has one of the best program in the country. So Matt went there and he learned from there. But, you know, you don't get, it's not because you come out, it's like anything else. It's not because you come out from Ryerson that you become like, you know, the next day you're a stage manager on, on, a, on a big tour. But it gives you the tool to get a job and then you have to, you know, to, to, to do your research like you would do for any job. And there's... I think I, I, you know, I think there's over a hundred companies in Quebec that works, you know, backstage entertainment. Well, of course, you know, at one point you need to do the work. You need to want it. You need to find somebody that's going to believe you. Do an internship. Do something so that you get get in. But there's a lot of job depending on you know what your talent is. The thing is, you have to be good at something. You know, they're not going to just hire you because you, you like music and you're you're ready to go for two months, two years. That's not. What are you good at? What are you passionate at? And it's amazing when you do that because there's admin job in the office, there's accounting job, there's a lot of jobs. But like I said, you have to start from the beginning to say, you know, I want this. It's like anything else. I think whether you know, it, it people that are passionate about what they like. I think people don't know there's that much work in our industry because I think we would get, you know, like I said, we would get more people than, than we have right now. Can you be too old? Ask the 62-year-old guy <laughs> who would like to get his class one and drive uh, one of your trucks. It, it's funny because it's it's not a, it, there's a cycle of, of people that, 
did that for 10 years or 20 years and say, okay, you know, I, I need to go home. I need to go. I want to see my children grow up or my grandchildren. So I don't think there's age. The, the biggest hurdle is, you know, the availability. Are you passionate about it? Are you good? If you're good at driving trucks, you know, I've seen lead driver for, for Springsteen was 72, you know, and he was there for a long time. So age, it, it's like I say, it goes back to talent and passion. If you're talented at what you do, what's your craft? Did you work at it? You know, if you come out of the school, you're not going to be the lead driver, you know, out of, you know, truck 20. I'm not. You'll be truck, (laughs) you'll probably be truck 18, you know, backing up the t-shirt. I'm fine with that. So if you don't, if you don't, if you, if you, if you. You know, something happened, the T-shirt, you can't damage T-shirts. Nope. Nobody, but it's, it, <laughs> let but, Bird take that truck. Yeah, let the Bird take the T-shirt. You can't damage T-shirt. But it's it's really, that's how that's how you learn. You start with some responsibility that you can take. And and same thing with, you know, when you, if you, if you become a tech at Solar Tech, you're probably going to roll cable the first time. Yeah, I want to, I'd like to be a sound man. I tell you, you're not going to be the sound man the first day yeah. you get out. But you start by... You know, at the bottom, like, wow, any industry, you know, and you, you learn, you, you get better. And now since somebody quits and there's an opportunity and say, okay, you do that today. I don't know how you're going to do it. You're going to learn. And that's, it's just like any other job. It's just that instead of, you know, doing a nine to five at your desk, your, your, your office backstage at the Bell Center or at the, you know, at the Staples Center in, in LA and, Red Rocks in Colorado and Shastain Park in Atlanta. There's, you know, the traveling part is pretty cool because once in a while we get a day off. Once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You've experienced in your 30 years in the business two major upheavals. You mentioned the pandemic. There was also 9-11. Yeah. Those must have been two entirely different experiences. Like the pandemic just sort of unfolded, whereas 9-11 was, uh, oh, my God. The amazing thing about 9-11, again, is what, you know, we never really tell that story because, you know, you don't tell that story. But we had six trucks at the World Trade Center the night before. All night, the government of Quebec was doing an event with the government, the uh, state of New York. And they were showing, it was like uh, a season and, in, in, you know, they were showing how Quebec is beautiful in the fall. And they were doing that in New York City. And the idea was to put a couple video uh, screen on the North Tower. And so we finish, we started loading out because in New York City, you try not to be there during the day because of traffic and people. And you do all everything again at night. So we had six truck load in. So we still have gear. Like we still, we don't have gear, but there's, st- like I said, when everything crashed, our gear was there. Solitex gear, our ramps and you know, I had a driver at the border because the the instrument, the backline, was delivered like late in the afternoon for the show. And the driver said, so they, they closed the border. I'm going to be late to the show at the World Trade Center. I said, well, there's no show. I said, you don't understand. I'm going to be late. I said, you don't understand. There's no World Trade Center. So I, imagine you're driving and I tell you there's no more World Trade Center. It's just... You can't wrap your head you around, wrap it. It must around ta- it. It must have taken you a few tries to explain to him what uh, exactly what was going on. And then, at, unless you see a TV at yeah. that time, if you remember yeah. that morning, it was a beautiful Tuesday morning. I yeah. never forget it. Beautiful Tuesday never forget morning. It. That was our Pearl Harbor. Exactly. Yeah. And then remember, they, they, all the planes are going together, and then they shut the border, and there was miles and miles and miles of backup, and that for us started what 
we now have as the new security. Like, you know, we don't think of, you know, security at airport arena and all that, but it all started that day. Everything before that was like pretty, pretty easy to, like, you know, to go to, to an airport or to get, you know, remember bringing your, your bottle of wine on the plane or whatever, you know, the liquid on the plane or, you know, going to, you know, I would say to a, to a, to a venue, just walking in, showing your tickets and going to your seat. So the world changed a little bit on, at 9-11, as far as security around the world, it changed the music industry because all of a sudden security became, you know, an issue. All that affects us. I was doing, we were doing, I was actually in Boston. We were doing a Rolling Stone in 2005 at Fenway Park. So you think it's going to be like, you know, by the way, it, I think it's like, you, imagine taking in 45 trucks through a garage door at Fenway. That's quite that's quite a, a place to do a show. So we're all parked yeah, on It's not Fen- the most modern uh, Ooh, boy, venue, dude, is There's it? no loading dock at Fenway. <laughs> no, and there's, it smells like urine no matter where you go. Unless you love baseball, <laughs> then it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that day, I remember there was a phone call and there was a bomb alert under one of our trucks. Like, I'm sorry, Ted, nobody trains you for that. No, but, but it, it becomes, we know why. You have to take it seriously, you know. Uh, what do you do? You secure the permit. You're like, you know, you cooperate, you, you know. So, you, you know, you grow up quick. Yeah, you know, like it, it's whether it's, it's, it's Boston or, or, or Montreal or New York. We, we all work, you know, uh, you know, to make the place safe for everybody. Uh, we work with our drivers or train, you know, to, to look for, you know, if it does, if it looks weird, it feels weird. Okay, let's talk about it. And is this all post nine eleven, or had your yeah. guys been trained in that before that? It started. As well? It started. You know, the U.S. government. You know, with 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 CTPAT. You know, the Border Patrol. They 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 come and see us. They 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 talk to us about being aware. So you know, like I said, we have our we have our friends and family working on tour. So of course we're going to be aware of it. So we, you know, security is always a big thing. More now because of nine eleven. You know, and it, it never stopped. So, see, we have 20 years almost of, yeah, 20 years this year. It'll be the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And so now it was like 20 years of, you know, be careful of safety and security and down to pandemic. We always thought that rock and roll was recession proof. It's like even when people are down, they go see a show. When they're high, they go see a show. It doesn't matter. Music and you were like, you know, you guys played, you know, so many good music on show. It was like music can make, if you're happy, you listen to music. If you're down, you listen. You need music in yeah. your life. And I, I think that's why we have the coolest job in, 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 in everything because people need music, I mean, to for their soul, for their mind, for everything. So we always thought we were recession proof. And, but we're not, we're not. Pandemic <laughs> we're, proof. We're not pandemic yeah. proof. We got beat, man. We just got. And it's, there was everybody, somebody in the music world that what we do said, no, I'm fine. It was like, okay, whatever. Because we all got a beating on this one. But your product is versatile enough that you could pivot though, right? You've still got trucks and trailers and you can haul stuff and stuff always has to be hauled, right? That's right. But, you know, Ted, go back to March. How long did you think the pandemic was going to last? Which March? This past Last March or the March. one before? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, well, they told us two weeks to flatten the curve, right? <laughs> so, you know what? Yeah. I mean, you know, we all thought it'd be, first we thought it'd be like a month or two, you know, until they f- flattened the curve and everything would be okay. Well, you know, the virus never went away. It just, you know, got 
meaner and, you know, we lost a lot of people and all that. And then you say after, because we were shut down for almost, I would say almost three months. Because first of all, all of our customers were in the entertainment world. So whether it's a trade show in Vegas or an opera, everything. You know, like I said, we had a we thought we had an amazing model that you know was fine, but it, that that day it's like everything you know, like you have a thousand customer and they're all gone. So then you can turn around and do freight, but the economy was shut too. By the way, so everybody like if you're in a fruit and vegetable, I have friends that were you know doing like thirty loads of banana from New York to Montreal, they were gone because there was no more restaurant all of a sudden. So everybody, so there was like. Yeah, you could you could turn around, but work where? Like everybody was hurting. Again, this some industry probably less. You know, if you're Amazon, you've probably felt you know mm-hmm. pretty good. They did pretty good. If yeah. You, you know, if you're Costco, you feel good. But trucking, it was you know a lot of people were. So it took us a while to pretty much reach out. They were, oh yeah, by the way, that's my business plan. Can you help me save my life? But the minute the fuse. The first music starts. I'm, I'm gonna, done. I'm gonna yeah. dump you. Yeah. So you know, so it was like it was tough because you needed to find somebody that would save your life, but ready for you to leave them to go back to your world. And that's mm. that's what's happening right now. We're ready. We're st- we're getting ready to go back to some sort of new normal. But you know, like I said, we're, there's there's people there's the people are not there. I'm missing crew. And then the whole supply chain in the world. You thought you think it's hard to get wood right now, or it's expensive. Try to get a truck, because everybody slowed down. Because nobody, everybody lost money at one point. And so I'm, I'm not going to lose that much. Everybody shrunk at the level that they were comfortable, but the level that we need to go back, it's it's we're not ready. I cannot, like I said, I've got drivers. I want to come back now. I can't find a truck. There's no truck available in Canada right now. You have to order them new, and it's seven months. But, you know, what about, you know, when the government say, okay, tomorrow you can have a concert. With what? It's going to take us 6, 12, 18 months to put everything back together when we know it's gonna, we can't go back. Because, you know, the border is still not open. There's 3,500 people at the finals for the Canadian last week. So we're not there yet, even though it's been 18 months. And we thought it'd be going to be like a month or two. So it's tough. It was, you know, the business, you know, I was, um, all my staff, the, you know, everybody that we know, it, it's like at one point it was, do you save the company or the labor? You can't save both. Because if you save the labor, the cost of saving the labor will kill the company. Mm-hmm. And if you save the company, the labor will be gone there'll be no labor when the company starts again. So it's like a, it's an amazing catch-22, amazing business case that hopefully some college will do. But I'm living it. After 18 months, I still don't know if I did the right thing. It's been 18 months. What's the status of the live music industry, or does it vary from country to country, jurisdiction to jurisdiction? I know, that, isn't Phil Collins coming to the Bell Center? The Genesis is coming in, a, in, in November. Oh, it's the band. It's the band. Yeah. Like he says, he's not dead yet, so he's coming. <laughs> uh, his son is the drummer. Uh, really? Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a pretty good show. I, I saw Phil Collins a couple of years ago. We've we've worked with Genesis. We've worked with Phil Collins throughout the years. So it's it's uh, you know, like I said, if you're Montreal, you're you're a Genesis or big time. Yeah, yeah that's one like, of those Montreal bands. Yeah, eh? Super Tramp. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, Queen. Sticks. And, yeah, yeah, that's it. So it, it, again, you know, you tell me. 30, 40 years later that I would work with them. It's fun. But so that's November. 
Mm-hmm. So that's a good educated guess that because of, you know, the 75% of population being vaccinated and all that, I think, you know, we're, I think we're, we're comfortable that late October, November, we'll have tours in Canada. But right now, there's nothing planned for Canada. Uh, so we're, we're getting everything ready for, you know, to, to, for the fall. Uh, there's a lot of excitement. 22 will be probably, I would say, I'm sure Live Nation is really happy with what's happening because there'll be more tickets available next year than history of music, just from what I see on my little side of the trucking part. Because, like I said, you're talking about, you know, bands like to rotate every three years or four years. And all of a sudden, you know, you don't make, you don't sell records, you make, I would say you make money with tickets and t-shirt. That's the big two. So everybody's like, you know, needs to go back and it's going to be, you know, like venue availability and, you know, supply and demand. Are people going to be, how much, how much show do you want or can you see in a year? I'm very curious about that. I love, I love, I love those numbers. You bring up an interesting point about tickets and live performances. The internet has changed everything. It's changed every business. It changed my business. Nobody buys albums anymore. Nobody buys CDs anymore or, or very few people. Has the music industry, did the music industry have to make a pivot to where bands are doing a lot more live performances now because that's become their bread and butter because of, because of what uh, live streaming services uh, did the album sales or are they making money off streaming services as well that makes up for what they would have lost in album CD sales? You know, that's, that's definitely more like, like you, you probably know when an artist, they have, they, they do still make album by the way. They just don't make money with it. Okay. So they do make album. So they, they usually have the album production side and they have the touring side. When, when you go on the road, usually a, a, a tour will be like probably two or three months in North America it's all you do, all the major market. It depends. It, it, it takes a business plan. A tour is like a business plan. First, you invest. How much does the show do? Do you want the big show at three, four hundred dollar a ticket, or do you want a, a show at you know at the Metropolis for you know seventy five bucks a ticket? So there's a plan depending on who the band is, you know, and the strategy with it. But you can't, like I said, you can't put a big twenty five truck tour at in a, in a small college arena. Like I said, so you, you've got your A market and your B market. So usually the big bands, they go in the A market and they'll do like America and they'll go to Europe and sometimes they'll come back to America to do a second leg. So that's that's on their side. That's more like a question for the for, Yeah, for, for I guess I, maybe what I was trying to ask you in my clumsy way was, have you seen a pandemic notwithstanding pre-pandemic since yeah. the internet changed everything did you see an uptick in bands going out on the road for us yes like that's why truck and roll we had such a growth but more in the last i would say 10 years than before because we have more demand so there's more demand for um for touring because that's where they make the money so yes there is more band on the road do band tour more uh than before i, I don't i don't think so i just think the shows are bigger, though. That I could tell you. Like a big show, you know, I would say when you had 10 trucks on the road, it was big. You know, now 20 is like the average, which it's like, you know, if you go in the 70s, you had five trucks. So what, what comes with the big show is the big production. I was telling you earlier, many, many tours have eight, 
nine, ten trucks for staging only. Well, that production will, of course, cost more, give you like a, probably a ticket price that's also more expensive. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, Live Nation, would pro- the people would probably be better equipped than me to say, is there a lot more tickets sold now than 10 years ago? I'd say yes. But the one thing I'm sure is tickets are more expensive than they were because there used to be a balance for the act between the record you know, and, and the ticket. And now it's mainly the ticket. So I think being their main source of revenue, I think the tickets are and will be more expensive. And I think, yeah, I think there's more people on the road at the same time. So 2022, you think, is going to be big? It'll be like after the war, I think, after in, in 45, 46. Post-war know? boom. Yeah. Post-pandemic boom I for live so. music. Well, more than that, I think, think about it, traveling. You know, what's your favorite place in the world to go? And I'm going to go see a show. Broadway. Broadway's going to reopen with a, you know, I love Broadway. I love going to, you know, to see a show in Chicago. I love to go to see an outside venue in, in, in the U.S., you know, like whether it's a music festival, like I say, Coachella, it's like you're talking 100,000 people to do that. San Diego's got a new outside venue called The Shell. It's like a seashell. It's all, Think of the, uh, the, um, the Sydney Opera, okay, but open concept smaller so imagine it's beautiful it's near uh it's near downtown it's right next to petco park you can walk from the imagine walking from the baseball stadium in the afternoon you see a show at night you know i love san diego for that and so yeah it's it's traveling um you know concerts it's they go together so you open the border you open you know the airlines hotel entertainment after being at home for for two years almost i think 22 people will ready more than ever to have a trip you know in their favorite city and catch a show i, I see that like i really see it and not only in in north america but I, i'd see it like around the world and your people are champing at the bit and you're looking for more people well everybody like i said you know it, it's going to be a challenge and we're like you know like i said we're, we're talking to and we tell them, like, we lost a lot of people and they're not coming back. And you, know, you spend a lifetime building a crew. And in, 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 in a couple of months, you know, people like, you know, the people had that, you know, for two, three months in the beginning, people were saying, yeah, it's going to come back. But last summer is when we started losing people. People said, okay, man, I got to get a job. If, if you, you know, and, and they came here for, for, for the for the for the music, for the money, for the the stories, and all of a sudden we had nothing. You know, we barely could, you know, could afford to to keep them and pay the trucks because we didn't have the revenue. So now that we're ready to come back, you know, they they found another life. They f- they found a a job that pays well and they're home every weekend, which we can, we don't have that. So we you know we're gonna reach out and we have to train new people that. You know, are excited about doing rock and roll. They want to be on the road. They want to live, you know, uh, a way of life. En français, we say a mode de vie. Well, you know, it's like, you know, whether it's Cirque du Soleil or anything that, that what we do, uh, you know, it's, it's a commitment. You have to be committed to, to what we do. You're listening to Backstage Stories. Crew are people too. Uh, production and presentation of Truck and Roll. Gislain Arsenault is the founder, owner, and president of Truck and Roll. This podcast was his idea. Where are we going to take it from here? Well, it's it's like I said, it's for me. It's getting to 
tell people that, you know, there's, there's job in our industry. It's not only in trucking. Like I say, trucking is probably the, like I say, one of the, you know, smallest part of a tour. It's important if the truck's not there, I tell you it's important, but otherwise it's, it's everything else. It's the technician. It's, it, it, people can even start local. Like I'm not saying the first job you should get is to go on, on tour with pink. <laughs> I'm saying the first job you should get is maybe try to work as a lo- stagehand, local stagehand, pushing cases locally. If you, that's how you learn. Yeah. You start, I mean, there's no magic to it that, you know, unless you're a, a sound or a lighting engineer, like, you know, like a brilliant, which, which, you know, there's, there's a lot of people like that, but basically we're all started pushing cases. It's you push a case, you get to know, you get to learn the basic of music and whether it's the uh, the symphony or the opera or rock and roll at the Bell Center or any venue or arena in your neighborhood. That's how you start. It's like, listen, you, you put your name. And I think there'll be so much need for labor and, and hard work and talent that, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be jobs available and your dream of not you know, watching the show, but actually being part of it. I think, I think that's, that's, that's the message I'm trying to tell people. You've got a thousand acquaintances in the business with a million stories. Yeah. Um, you got any ideas about uh, who else we could get in here to talk to us? I, you know what? It's, there's, there's really a, a lot of good people. I, I can think of, uh, of Dean Rooney, who was, uh, Brandon Manitoba. I've learned so much from him. Like I said, uh, there's, there's, uh, Malcolm Weldon, uh, one of the, probably best production manager in the world that I've learned. Like I say, it's, you know, I'm 60 and I'm, I'm still learning. And I think next year I'm going to learn a lot. I'm going to learn to compromise, understand communication is, is big in any business, but, you know, understand what people need and explain to them what the new normal will be. And, you know, relationship, how do we get the show on the road? So, people can enjoy themselves because that's that's it's pretty fun to make people happy harry truman said and i'm paraphrasing but he said words to this effect the most important things you learn in life are the things you learn after you know it all (laughs) we can close on that one yeah (laughs) because i'm still learning that's it first thing first lesson is get the guest's name right <laughs> Gislan, thank you so much for doing this and thank you for asking me to be part of it. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, this was a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to, uh, if you'll have me back, looking forward to hosting more episodes of this podcast. Backstage Stories crew are people too. Gislan Arsenault, the president, owner, and founder of Truck and Roll, will be back with, uh, oh, I don't know who just yet, but uh, believe you me, uh, if you thought Gislain had some great stories, well, A, you were right, and B, uh, we're going to have a whole lot more people with great stories just like that from the live entertainment industry. Gislain, thank you again. Thank you, Ted. You've been listening to Backstage Stories. Crew our people, too. Produced and presented by Truck and Roll. Specialists in concert and entertainment transportation. The road is our stage. Visit truckandroll.com.
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.